Okay, now we are back. This week on the podcast, it's just us boys. This week we talk Back for Blood post-release. We have Dagon and the Apple October event. All of that and more in this week's episode of Next to Nothing. Roll the intro. Can I can I do some more chatter chatties? <laughs> yeah, so uh real quick, just for the live audience, sorry about the weirdness there for a second. Uh I needed to fix something so I could actually record the show while streaming as well. My bad. Guys, you done goofed. I did done goof. Guys, welcome to Next to Nothing, a podcast for gamers on a budget. I'm your host, Danny K. With me, as always, the wonderful, the beautiful, the Mr. Green Elite. How you doing, Green? I have lost all sense of time in reality. Um, I don't know what is real and what is fake. Uh, yeah, the the typical week. How you doing, Danny? I'm doing pretty good. I'm not lost in the fabric of time and space. I have ascended to a different plane. <laughs> some call it Nirvana. Some call it Valhalla. I do not know. You do not know. You you have you gazed upon the face of an elder god and just become insane, and punch him in the face and then become him. <clears throat> yeah, it's mm. SMT time. Yes, yes. With us this week, the but this week, every week, every week, every week. That's right. You haven't missed a show yet. I'm trying to figure. Out, I'm still trying to figure out a title for you. <laughs> I'm just stalling at this he's moment. He's not a guest anymore, Danny. I know K. he's not a guest anymore. Guys, the effervescent, the blooming Mendachi. Mendachi, how are you doing this week? Essence. Oh. I feel like that needed at least uh, a deep, deep bow. I'm doing great. Thank you for that. Um, I have not lost track of time. Instead, I am moving at a painfully slow rate through all of existence. <laughs> that sounds horrible. That sounds worse. That sounds worse to be honest. You two are just being existential drama queens today. Uh, that's how I live my life, Danny. You know it. I spiral and then I like lose all focus and then I become something entirely different than what I am. One pint of ice cream at a time, baby. That's how we get through it. But the the, the tip for that though is Halo Top because it's lower calorie. Um, I believe it's skim. Like fat-free milk that's used into it, it's delicious, and yeah, it's not thirteen hundred calories like a Ben and Jerry's. Mm. Mm. I Life see. hacks. Life hacks. Life hacks. Guys, thank you for watching and listening to the show. If you missed any part of the show, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are found. If you guys want to join us live, you can find us on Twitch every Tuesday at 7 p.m. If you guys want to be a part of the show, we do have a question of the week every week. This week, our question is, what's the worst Halloween candy? What's the worst Halloween candy? You guys can let us know in the live chat or let us know in the comments of this YouTube video, uh, Mendachi. Where's Halloween candy? I would probably have to say, fuck those candy corn pumpkins. Yeah. Oh, those like those wax pumpkins? Uh, uh, and milk duds. I fucking hate milk duds. So gross, man. Who, Same. Who? Why? Uh, 
<laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Green, how about you? What's the worst candy? It's definitely a tie between candy corn and milk duds. Like, candy corn in general is fucking disgusting. I like candy uh, milk corn. Milk duds are equal. Well, I mean, you're also weird, so... <laughs> you like things that people aren't normally supposed to like. <laughs> what, what are people normally supposed to like? That's what a- are people normally supposed to like? Meat and, like, cheese and eggs. Are you... And- are you implying that I don't like those things? Uh, it like oh says the I'm gonna I made a chickpea salad and falafel for lunch. Hold Dude. up, dude. Hold up. I just so this seems to be a point of contention between you and me. I'm not vegan. I just eat vegan meals. Oh, <laughs> that sounds absolutely disgusting. Uh, 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 you you millennial. You know it sounds good. <laughs> On a, on a on a lunch like a, a weekday lunch tacos you know it doesn't sound good on a weekday lunch falafel falafel is delicious it is absolutely delicious and i think you just haven't given it a fair shake anyways my worst halloween candy fucking hot tamales like the cinnamon candies Ugh. get out of here they're almost as good as mike and ike's no. No. Mike and Ike's are tasty too. Yeah, Mike and Ike's might be tasty, but man, cinnamon candy is the fucking worst. I um, can't eat like a whole box of hot tamales, but like like a few spritz in with some Mike Mike and Ike's, like it really shakes it up. Nah. Uh I will say in the comments, uh we did get someone who said black licorice is the worst, and I disagree. I like black licorice. I mean you black licorice is like is absolutely fucking disgusting every time like any point in time of the year, so why did I even join this podcast? Honestly? I don't know. Love black licorice. So it. it's fucking disgusting. Guys, we're still talking about Halloween stuff because don't forget, I have another scary story writing contest running this year. All you have to do is write in at least one page scary story submitted by 12 p.m. Central Time on October 31st of this year. And the best story, as chosen on by the live audience, will get a winner, a uh, $50 Amazon gift card. When I win again for the uh, third uh, year uh, in a row. Uh, uh, you didn't have competition like you did this year. I'm I don't know. Just saying I, mean, that, I, make some, I make some pretty pretty solid stories, my guy. Okay. I like to spin a weave of uh, a spin a yarn, if you will. Spin okay. a weave, spin a yarn. Spin a yarn. Just imagining you like braiding somebody's weave in like the parking lot of like an <laughs> uh with yardly auto parts <laughs> like yeah that's nah nah back to back this guy this all guy. right all right that was certainly some visuals that you did present there um well green might spin us some tales mandachi spin us a review Back for Blood, post-release. I am excited to hear this because we've gotten some talk on the beta, but I would love to hear some post-release on Back for Blood. Take it away. Sounds good. Yeah, so like uh, originally I had done a Back for Blood Bimpressions episode uh, based on the beta and other B words on the uh, podcast with Brent, another B word. Um, 
so it's it's really fun that I actually get to do this review for Back for Blood now that it's out. So Back for Blood has been developed by Turtle Rock Studios, published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. And Turtle Rock may not seem so familiar to most of you, but they were initially contracted by Valve for games such as Counter-Strike Source, Half-Life 2, Deathmatch. And though you likely didn't play that second one very much, after a five-year period of being contracted with workers, they actually became Valve Cell. Uh, that was short-lived. They were overall dissatisfied with working with Valve. Um, and they end up kind of closing down for a little while, opening back up, got to work on Left 4 Dead 2 for a little bit, thought, man, we really miss Left 4 Dead. That was pretty cool. Hunting games are cool, too, for some reason. And they made Evolve, which you may or may not remember. It is dead. It is very dead. I when when evolved went free to play, I did a review of it and then found out like it was going to be like totally shut down within two weeks. Yeah. After yeah, I did a review it was, of it on the show. <laughs> yeah, like the general public dodged it like a big stinky poo-poo diaper. And they had a few unnamed and ultimately canceled projects before they hand delivered us something actually satisfying, sumptuous. And kind of sickening, honestly. Back for Blood has had a long, hard road to get into our hands, but overall, I'm incredibly happy that it made it there. I so far have had more hours in the game during its beta release than its full release, but I can already tell this is a game that I'll be happily sinking many, many hours into with friends. That's the first note that I like to start off on. The game more or less works fantastic with its crossplay function. Nearly every single multiplayer session I've had with Back for Blood has been crossplay, and while it has gotten wonky at times, it's hard to really pin it on the game's servers or compatibility issues and online communications. There have been fatal errors from computers, uh, computer users rather, in which they're booted from the game after a chapter completes, but overall they're able to select to reconnect to their last session, so it's clear that the game recognizes these issues already. For console users, at least myself, it seems to be a different beast. PlayStation users have a much more simplified UI, which seems intuitive at first glance. Being able to accept friend requests and game invites uh, from across the interwebs with the fast strike of a button is pretty cool. What's not cool is accidentally blocking your best friend when they send you a friend request because they're playing on their PC. And you might just be pressing circle to exit a menu. And now you can't figure out why you can't play with them for a little bit until you decide to check your blocked friends or blocked uh, list find them and unblock them manually and go through that whole hullabaloo or having your pc friend sending you a game invite and you're in the middle of a horde screaming firing m249 into the sky basking in your own glory in the guts of dozens of so-called ridden when you go to reload your gun and oh, oh, oh you're back in home base with your buddy that invited you that would be the same system. And all of these examples happened to me the first couple times I got the chance to play Back for Blood since its release. Maybe it's something that'll get looked into uh, like in the future, but I'm hard-pressed to see that high up on the list of things to attend to, aside from, you know, bugs, general uh, game issues, crashes, so on and so forth. As far as gameplay goes, however... 
Back for Blood really shines when the ball gets rolling. You and three friends have eight total characters to choose from. Each one is very specific, a unique personality, unique looks, and bonuses to themselves and your party come along with that package. This creates a really fun dynamic that so far hasn't seemed to create any sort of dissonance in forming a perfect party, which may exist, but unless you're playing on Nightmare or something of a higher difficulty with some of the corruption cards that it throws at you, you're going to be fine. You can play whoever you'd like and however you'd like. These bonuses range from an extra uh, from extra explosives or healing items for yourself, coupled with everyone being able to have more health or more stamina so you can run from the hordes that much faster and for that much longer. It doesn't stop there with the co-optitude either. Each player earns supply points when playing with friends and progressing through the very intense and lengthy, in a good way, story acts, which they can then use to open supply lines to get more aesthetics like sprays and profile card designs, costumes, and of course, the much needed cards. Uh, cards can also either make or break a game for you. Um, it can be a massive turnoff, I know that, for a lot of you out there. But for some, this could be pretty fun. You can make a ton of different decks with different styles. If you're playing a medic, maybe you want a whole bunch of cards that actually increase your healing efficiency or make it so you can heal people for fat, like uh, more health rather than just faster. Um, if you dig games like Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering or whatever your flavor of cardboard crack addiction may be, you can make some really interesting combos and beastly builds the harder the difficulty, the harder the mob as well. Not just more health and less bullets, however, which is nice. This also means more rewards and better drops. You're going to need to get into that card function and really build something that's going to bring up your survivability and your ability to deal with the hordes as well. Another really fantastic thing about this game is, of course, the guns, which obviously would break this game if it wasn't good. Say you want to try out that UMP-45 or maybe the 870 in the shotgun department, the AA-12. Well, when you're in home base, you can go over to the shooting range and yeah, you can try them out there, but that's not really as fun as, say, blowing apart a whole bunch of zombies. Grab the UMP-45, load into your game, say doing a new run, and you start out with the UMP. You wanted to bring that 357 Magnum with you as your sidearm? Done deal. It's pretty nice and allows you to pick up these attachments to kind of create your own kind of unique brand of killing machine as you go. And of course, it does use a rarity system. So as you continue, you might find a green, a blue, or a purple, or a orange, I believe it is of, say, the gun that you like, or something that might intrigue you, like a scar. So you can grab that other gun, however, you're going to lose all your attachments that you've been grabbing. So that does kind of suck, but there's a give and take, and the stats of the guns, as well as their attachments, are right there and easy to see. It's just nice, too, that, say, you had that gun, and your buddies have great guns. But one of you has to get off for the night, and the rest of the party kind of crumbles after that. 
Well, the following day, if you wanted to pick up where you last left off, you can pick up right where you were along with your guns, your cards, and your buddy's guns and cards without overwriting any progress. Not only that, but say you did that, but your girlfriend wants to do a run with you, just two of you on a little private session. You can start a new run, and it will not overwrite the run that you have with your buddies. There are multiple saves on the same thing, which is just mind-blowing, honestly. Such a simple thing. Most of the time, you really wouldn't think about it. It's one of those uh, hurdles that we typically just kind of accept. But Back for Blood tells you you don't have to accept that. So I really, really think that this game has a lot going for it, honestly. However, I know that there is a massive pair of shoes for it to fill. If you really were considering jumping into this and you were worried about it not, say, living up to Left 4 Dead or filling the idea of what a spiritual sequel to Left 4 Dead might look like, I urge you, stop thinking about that. Pick it up for free on Xbox Live uh, Game Pass or, you know, save up some cash and, and grab it while it's currently $59.99 on every other platform, or wait for the holidays, I suppose. But get your friends together. Doesn't matter what they're playing on, you can play together. The impact that Left 4 Dead created is massive, that's true. And they did a lot post-launch. Got a lot of DLC out there. But Back for Blood has the same people who are super passionate about this. They've been working on it for a long time as much more of a passion project than a money project. I really do believe that we're going to see a lot coming out of this team over at Turtle Rock. You should definitely buy yourself a train ticket and hop on. That being said, if you do want to snatch up this title and get to playing with literally anyone, anywhere, anytime, it is free, like I said, on Xbox Live Game Pass. You can pay $59.99 everywhere else uh, with the option to purchase the game with the DLC pass for $89.99 or with some extra skins and other aesthetics, which are kind of neat, sort of, for $99.99, which is... Ugh, that's a lot of money for a video game. However, if you're looking to play this on your PC, your minimum requirements are as such. You need a 64-bit processor and operating system, uh, so at least 64-bit Windows 10. Processor-wise, uh, i5-6600 or an AMD Ryzen 5 2600. You need 8 gigs of RAM, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1050 Ti, or AMD Radeon RX 570 for your graphics card. You need a uh, DirectX 12. And, of course, you need internet. You can play solo, but you're not going to have as much open to you. Storage-wise, it takes up a whopping 40 gigs right out the gate. and uh, Typically, you're going to see this going around 30 to 45 frames per second, um, probably around 30 at the uh, minimum requirements. 
That being said, there's also a versus mode that's available right now. If you want to play a zombie and kill people, there's that. There's also swarm, which is just survival mode. So if you really like to just uh, get attacked by zombies and scream in horror, it's for you. And this cat's for me. That's back for blood. I really hope you get it. I really want to play with you. It's a fucking amazing time. Yeah. If people want to play with you, how can they reach out to you? You can reach out to me on, well, Twitter for one. That's Mendachi underscore TTV. And uh, just drop your back for blood name. Otherwise, um, holler in the comment section of this episode, wherever you're listening, or on YouTube in the comment section. I do search these episodes every week, so I will find you, and I will add you. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, what are you doing? Let's play. What are we, what are we doing? What are we waiting for? I'm looking real cute. So Mwah. I have some gameplay and... Uh, just general like technical questions for you. Sure. Um, in the like, how does the gameplay itself feel in terms of like moving around, jumping, running? How do guns feel? Like, is mm -hmm. like the game setting and everything looks fun, but does it yeah. feel fun? So. The best way that I can really describe this is that the guns feel great for the most part. If you're picking up something like, say, the AA-12, which is an automatic shotgun, and uh, it is a beast of a shotgun at that, it kind of feels a little bit like a marshmallow thrower. Like, you kind of feel like maybe it should have a little bit more punch. But, I mean, that's generally okay. Um, as far as like your, your magnums, your handguns, your rifles, everything like that, other shotguns for whatever reason, fantastic. Like the 870, wonderful time. Fantastic. The melee weapons, however, like they're okay at best. I would pretty much only recommend playing with a melee weapon if you were doing a melee build with your character. Um, of which there are many, many different melee uh, weapons. You've got a spiked bat, a hatchet, a machete. There's all sorts of cool shit to use. But when you have a card that just lets you bash with a combat knife and the combat knife literally just kills whatever on um, Novice, I think it still might be a one-hit kill on Veteran. It might be a two-hit kill. Um, it's so so far superior than any melee weapon uh melee weapons use up stamina which you're gonna need if you're running you know which you're gonna be doing a lot of and the movement is great it's not wonky at all you're not getting stuck on literally anything uh you can pretty much jump on top of anything and your character automatically grabs onto ledges that you can climb up on um doors i mean like doors are also fine there's some that are going to be locked that you're going to have to punch through um otherwise there's tool kits and tech kits to open those up um i have not had literally any issues with any of the movement i've been really really happy with how the game actually feels excellent excellent um 
man, I don't know if there's anything else. Really, I think you answered all my questions. Green, anything that you want to bring up? Ask. Yeah, how come you're not playing Bag for Blood with me, Green? Uh, I don't have Game Green. Pass, but I plan on getting it soon. Um, my question is, is this worth going? Like, uh, let's say you don't have Game Pass and you pay. Like, would would it be preferred that you pay the fifty nine ninety nine for Back for Blood, or pay the few dollars with your friends to get Left for Dead too? Right. So here's here's my thing. Right. If you want to play Left for Dead, you want to play Left for Dead. Left for Dead Two has a ton of great DLC. It has, you know, everything that's that's come out for it they i believe they even as recently as like uh what was it last month or a month and a half ago actually came out with more content i don't know if it was uh, i think it was uh left for dead one maps from their dlc so you can effectively play all of left for dead and left for dead 2 inside left for dead 2 if you really like left for dead then go play left for dead if you want a new setting if you want you know new guns you want to see new um kind of like looking monsters and a few new special undead because they they did use quite a few from from left for dead series such as the boomer and um the spitter from left for dead 2 is uh something called a stinger in this one because it it shoots uh little stingy guys at you but it will also web you with its uh big ass loogies you could go do that you could go play left for dead and left for dead 2 but if you want something new and you want to see what that team is working on and has been working on and is really happy to be working on then you should absolutely pick up back for blood it looks great it feels great and uh quite honestly it's going to be quite some time before they're done making things for it so if you want to see new stuff get back for blood i'm also uh, a terrible person to ask would you would you spend 59.99 on this uh fuck yes i would because i paid 99.99 <laughs> uh to um to grab the the dlc pack that's going to be coming with it for the aesthetics and um i had ultimately wanted to buy it so that i could get early access for four days i think it was and i got so whomped and could not could not even take a could not even take them up on that so i mean i'm obviously uh, a shill when it comes to this <laughs> but yeah 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 i uh, i highly recommend it i don't think you should wait i think that this is a this is a fantastic game and the fact that you can play it with anybody no matter what the hell they're playing on oh yeah by the way communications for in-game chat are uh you can type in-game chat or you can talk and i mean like so if you don't want to use Discord and you're on PlayStation or Xbox or whatever, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. The in-game chat is perfect. It works great. The only time that you're not hearing your teammates is loading screens. That's it. Um, I have not found a single troll yet either, which uh, I know that there will be, but it's pretty hard to find one when it's literally a cooperative game and all yeah. you guys got to work together. Um, I've made friends with... Uh, 
with people in random lobbies already as well. So yeah, it's just been it's been a really, really good experience so far. This nice. is my cat Nix. Hello. All the cats today. All the cats. Very much. Uh yeah, anything else on back for blood, guys? I'm good, man. I uh I'm I'm living it. I'm loving it. Come play with me. Let's kill shit. Let's go. <laughs> so that's some pretty high praise on Back for Blood from Mendachi. Um speaking of praise, uh I know there are people who pray to the old god Dagon in the Lovecraftian uh universe. So uh let's talk about some Dagon. Uh, this is a game I picked up for free. Uh, I saw this from, uh, I think, I know I saw Indie Falco play it, uh, a couple, couple weeks ago. And then I saw somewhere, um, one of the publications that, I, that we follow for like research and, and gaming sources and stuff like that also said this was free on steam. So I picked it up. Uh, it is a short horror experience that is faithful to the adaptation of the famous HP Lovecraft story of the same name. Uh, the experience, like I said, is free on steam in order to run it. You'll need a windows seven or newer computer with it. Core I five 2400 or a Ryzen three 1200 four gigs of Ram and Nvidia GTX six sixty two gigs of RAM VRAM or equivalent um, and three gigs of hard drive space. There are some deals. Yeah. Yep. And I would say you might even be able to get away with running it below spec. And I'll explain why here in a little bit. Uh, there is some DLC uh, for four ninety nine, um, And it looks like there's some more on the way. Uh in kind of like kind of starting out, um, I called this an experience, a short horror experience, because it's not really a game. Um, and that's because there isn't gameplay in this product. I think it would be wrong to call this an out and out game. Rather, it's a interactive experience. The core of this experience is that you can look around and you can click on certain things, but mostly you listen to a narration while uh, in the different set pieces. Um, like you don't even like move around the environment and you can't even turn 360 degrees. You can look within a set field of view and then you can click buttons to move from different scene to different scene to activate the the uh, narrations um the scenes are pretty well done they do look like your typical lovecraftian scenes that the author describes um i will say the narration is done very very well the uh voice actor that got to do that was fantastic um and had fantastic delivery um there are some optional things that you can discover mostly just gives into trivia into Lovecraft's thoughts. No. No, 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 no. Not those crafts from Love, not those thoughts from Lovecraft. Okay? Not those ones. Mendachi knows. Yeah, Mendachi knows. <laughs> um but really the the thing is the other thoughts from Lovecraft and how and how it, uh, it influenced his work. Um the game took roughly half an hour. I'm sorry, the experience took roughly half an hour. 
Uh, I would say it is worth checking out for sure. And mostly as a, another one of those things where you get a, you get a list of these together, right? You, you plan this out, get a list of these short experiences and short games together with some friends on a Halloween night or something like that. And you play through them for a couple hours and just get spooked. Like that's like the best way I can, I can imagine this. Um, does it beat reading the book? Kinda. <laughs> um, yeah, kinda. Like it does kind of beat reading the book, I would say, because you're not actively reading. Who wants to do that, right? Um, but otherwise, it's a pretty unremarkable experience. Like this is not something that had it. Like, I wouldn't pay money for this. I think it's good that it's free. Um, and I don't think outside of uh, a, a, a horror mood, is it's something I would want to um, have checked out. But I typically like finding horror games and enjoying uh, getting myself scared or trying to. Um, I will also say it's not incredibly scary. There's no jump scares or anything like that. It's Lovecrafty and it's kind of creepy. And... It's supposed to evoke uh, existential dread. So, yeah, it's not like you're going to get jump scared or anything like that. Green can handle this. Green can handle this. Can I? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Dagon. What do you guys, you guys have any thoughts, questions, opinions? No, sir. I think it's cool that you got to essentially play through a, a spooky story. You know what I mean? I'm also, I'm also, again, an absolute shill when it comes to cosmic horror, and um, very much so a uh, a major proponent of trying to separate uh, the awesome old gods such as Cthulhu, Nyarlathotep, and uh, everyone else. Yog Sothoth and um <laughs> yeah everyone everyone out there you know the king in yellow he who reaches and feasts from afar all of those is such a fantastic uh medium i i'm so for uh rending lovecraft's name from it i i think that the world is better off forgetting that man but uh it's it's impossible because these kinds of things are so fun um, hearing about your experience with Dagon, I kind of want to go and experience it for myself. And I'm really happy to hear that it's free. And that yeah. if I want to, I could just go do that whenever I want to. So yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thanks to the free experience people who made Dagon. <laughs> Love you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that is, uh, a good experience, especially again, like I said, you're looking for something to to like plan it out, get like a get a collection of things going, and uh, yeah, it'd be good for that. Do we want to go into our next topic, or do we want to take a quick break? That is, good, sir. What was that? I said that is up to you, good sir. Let's take a quick break, guys. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay right there. And uh, we've got the Apple event coming up, some Nintendo online news, and some Steam news. All that coming up. Like I said two minutes. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. This year, I'm bringing you guys even more merch featuring a simple black design with our new logo. Get a classic eco tee for $18. Stay warm and cozy with our classic crew neck sweatshirt for $20. And stay cool with our tank tops for only $15. And of course, it wouldn't be a new merch lineup without some mugs. Get our new mug for $10. And brand new to our merch lineup, get a 20-ounce stainless steel tumbler for only $20. Prices subject to Teespring fees plus shipping and handling for more information see the link in the episode description and we are back guys thank you for letting us take that two minute break back baby we're back baby green yeah get in your fucking tech corner okay green's tech corner is the animation it is Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> I can't see these things. I don't know what's going on. So Apple held a second fall event on October 18th, which was yesterday. Um, they unveiled some new versions of their current products and their updated features. Um, I think one of the biggest changes comes to their MacBook Pro lineups um, with a, what I would say, a fresh redesign. Um, they look pretty similar to the old ones, but like, um, you know, they come with some interesting features. Uh, they come in a 14.2 inch and a 16.2 inch display, both coming in at 3.5 and 4.7 pounds, respectfully. Um, surprisingly, they did include more ports, something that, as a secondhand MacBook owner is definitely a nice inclusion. Uh, as my fiance's current MacBook only totes a single USB Type C port, um, the ports now include a MagSafe 3 port. Uh, three Thunderbolt 4 ports, uh, SDXC card reader, an HDMI port, and a headphone jack. They brought the headphone jack back. Uh, the new display now supports refresh rates up to 120 hertz with a new feature Apple calls ProMotion. Yeah. Uh, the MacBook Pros now come in uh, with two new Apple chips called the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. The Pro comes with either an 8 or 10 core CPU, while the Max features uh, the 10 core CPU with an added 24 or 32 core GPU attached to it. Uh, Pre-orders are available now. Apple's website st uh, states that the availability will be on 1026. And prices start at a crisp on $1,999. That's at the base. So pretty pricey, which, you know, we're used to with the Apple name tag on. Um, and this is the Pro lineup, not the standard MacBook. So um, if you're looking for something a little bit more powerful, um, this, these, are, of course, are not gaming laptops. So please don't buy them if you're intending them to be gaming laptops. Uh, but if you're into like uh, video and photo editing and stuff like that, and, or you just really like MacBooks, this might be for you. Other announcements are not like super huge, in my opinion. Uh, most notably is the redesign of the AirPods, um, some iOS updates, uh, new color colors for the HomePod minis, a new voice, what they call voice plan for the Apple Music, um, which is $4.99 a month. Um, and a polishing cloth for $19. Um, Apple's event can be seen on YouTube and other video platforms. Um, if I missed something that you thought was cool, let us know in the video, uh, the YouTube content, uh, ugh, YouTube comments. 
and I'll be sure to tell you why you're wrong. He's, <laughs> this he's going to throw hands in, in those comments. Yeah. I will say I'm, one thing. It seems like the hardware certainly does look like it's getting good upgrades like since apple mm -hmm. swapped to their own silicon and not relying on intel i don't think consumers are paying that for like exorbitant prices for like five-year-old tech like they were yeah. with the intel silicon it seems like they actually are stepping up their game um, yeah this does definitely feel like it's a big jump up from like the last last generation of macbook pros yeah, like a lot um, of people who I follow who cover Mac um, are really calling this like the biggest upgrade in the Mac Pro or the, in the MacBook Pro area in a really long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like I, I honestly like um, I didn't see like a huge difference between my fiance's old MacBook Pro and the one that she got a few years ago. Um, other than the fact that it had one USB Type C port, that's it. So I'm yeah. really glad that they're adding ports to it. Um, I'm like, I mean, it doesn't really matter now because my fiance doesn't need a new MacBook Pro because she's out of school and not like needing anyone. Um, and on top of that, the price tag is <laughs> <laughs> that's starting yeah. at that's starting at two grand. Yeah, that's not including like the the max chip with the GPU. Yeah, added on. So, so you could buy your high schooler a like 2010 Chevy Impala, mm -hmm. and it will last longer. This like let's just throw away like the the past 11 years of use and the fact that it's probably over a hundred thousand miles. <laughs> that car is going to last longer than this uh, this MacBook they'll at least have it longer and uh wow you know yeah i mean they did also make some changes to like the keyboard and the uh uh display which is really nice um especially like i don't i don't foresee i don't know the biggest reason why they would put 120 hertz on the the display other than like for gaming because like a lot of videos are shot in like um like you know 60 fps or like if you're doing like actual like movie quality films i believe they're in 40 frames if i'm not mistaken uh i think so yeah uh so like that is like a little overkill i mean it's cool that the feature's there but like when you're thinking gaming and you're thinking high refresh rates you're not thinking MacBook. No, and I. So. The other thing that Mac, that Apple and Mac have, as a hurdle for, um, for gaming is just the fact that there's not a ton of people who develop for them specifically. I think that will change, and I think that this, um, I think like overall the idea of gaming on Macs are going to change now because of the Apple Silicon and um, the Apple Arcade. They might be pushing that as well. Yeah, there's the Apple sure. Arcade, but it's also the fact that there there's the with the M1 chips and everything like that. Um, developers don't have to do nearly as much changing 
to port things over from like mobile onto Mac. It all should operate in one or as as one unit now. Um, that was a big part of where they're pushing their silicon uh, for. Um, but yeah, I think, th again, Macs just really do lend themselves to being productivity machines. Video, yeah. fo photo editing, graphic design. You know, I know a lot of Apple products are really good for, the, for those type of professions um, when it comes to the tablets and the uh, Apple Pen. Um, especially with connectivity mm -hmm. like because, like the the airdrop and stuff like that yeah. is honestly a fantastic product like kudos to apple for making something that was like so intuitive that like as long as you're on the same network drag and drop and you know the person that you have on the same project boom has that so like solid productivity yeah but like for the gaming space and where we're at um, not a whole lot of things right now. No, no. Especially for that price tag. Yeah, not for that price tag. Mendachi. Yeah, it's more or less kind of in the same vein that you guys have been kind of chatting back and forth about that and like um, audio production. But I would even say like maybe not even so much anymore. I think that that's kind of uh, gone more or less. People are moving to other products and services. Um, something that... Uh, my fellow co-host who's in the chat is saying uh, they feel like the cult mentality days of Apple are bygone, uh, or at least it's not as strong these days. And I kind of have to agree with them. Um, it's nice to see that people are actually being like, okay, maybe it's more than just Apple is Apple. It's so crazy. You know, uh, used to be synonymous with tech magic, I think. Um, it just works, you know? So I, th I think that people are finally over that hill or they're getting there, which is good. Um, seeing something like this, though, it, it is nice to see that the people that are having a harder time letting go of it actually have, I guess, something nicer to look forward to when they decide to shell out another $2,000 on a product that's still miles behind anything that they could either ask someone to build for them or just buy fresh out of box as a PC. But, you know, whatever. Happy Apple, I guess. Yay. I think when compared to other laptops, so this does hold up. Yeah. That, so that yeah. is a good thing. Um. Anything else on, on Apple products or on the Apple uh, October event? That polishing cloth. The polishing. Oh. Apple Apple branded polishing cloth for $20. If, what, is it made out of nanomachines? Can it make it, my car go faster? I would hope so. I think if you get the polishing cloth and like you polish your new MacBook Pro with it, it automatically gains like 60 FPS. That's not bad. That's not bad. Dang. Yeah. It's almost as effective as RGB. <laughs> so going from Apple to Nintendo, let's talk about the service updates. So a while ago, we had mentioned that Nintendo announced that they were going to have some changes coming to the subscription portion of the Nintendo Online services, which would include a slew of retro classics from NES, Super NES, and the Sega Genesis. 
And for anyone curious, we do know some of the games that are on the list now. Uh, that includes Mario 64, Star Fox 64, Sonic 2, Golden Axe, Castlevania Bloodlines, and Streets of Rage are just a few of them. Um, currently, the uh, subscription service stands at one nine. Uh, I'm sorry, nineteen. <laughs> 99 a year with a family pack being 34.99 a year uh the new premium tier which is optional by the way uh it comes in at a cost of 49.99 a year with a family membership of 79.99 a year and launches on october 25th um which that i mean that's really just about it those are those are the uh the prices and I, there's, um, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or 30 games that are coming with it. Um, but I, I do want to kind of get some thoughts on this. And I would really love to hear from the audience um, on what they think. Kind of doing like a rough breakdown of the price. Um, it's about $4 a month. And I'd really love to know if people are feeling good about that price. I mean, $4 a month for um, access to 30 retro games. I'd love to know. Let us know in the chat. Let us know in the YouTube comments. Um, and uh, let's kind of go around the horn here. Uh, Green, what do you think? Um, if I played my 64, or not my 64, <laughs> my uh, Switch more, I would definitely see like it being worth it. Um, mainly, I bought it for my fiance anyway. So, I mean, that might be something that i would have to ask her what she would think about it i don't foresee myself like going back to like any you know old 64 games um unless i had more people who were on a switch uh in my friends group i mainly play you know pc it, it would be fantastic to be able to get like a group together to play like mario kart 64 um like and not be on a split screen you know, you know, four four man split screen on the TV kind of thing. I, I think it'd be really cool to have like an online Mario Kart 64, yeah, you know, um, stuff like that. So I, I mean, I don't think the price is horrible. Um, I don't just don't think it would be for me. Because uh, like I can get a lot of like the old 64 games either emulated or uh, off of Steam. So. Mm. And like, I, I think I have Star Wars Racer on my Steam. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Mendachi. What do you think? So just to, to follow up with what Green said, yes, that's actually coming as part of, um, there's like a Star Wars bundle guy that's coming out along with Rebel Commando, which is just chef kiss. Super good. You should grab that. As far as this goes, though, this is fun. This is fun. I think for $50 a year, I can see myself grabbing it, even if... I picked up, say, like, Golden Axe, like, once, and then three months later, I'm like, yeah, let's, fuck it. let's play Streets of Rage. Like, I still play Streets of Rage 4. Uh, that game's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, more than just, like, being able to play these old games, being able to play these old games with your buddies on their Switches, I think is super awesome. Uh, but I also really enjoy my Switch, and I, I play it semi, semi-regularly. Um, I mean, I would... Again, this is the third time I've said this. I am a shill 
for classic Nintendo games. Uh, spend fifty dollars to let me play through Ocarina of Time again. Done. <laughs> play it on my Switch wherever I'm going. Done. You know, whatever. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that this is definitely marketed towards people like me or that are more diehard than myself. Um, I haven't been able to play Star Fox 64 since the N64, and I still remember a lot of those missions, including, you know, like fighting Andros at the end. Um, and I want to go, I want to go experience that again. And I know it's not going to live up to that exactly, but it's going to be awesome. And if I only had to pay $50 a year, which, you know, mind you, that's that's so low you know if we're looking at like amazon prime annual is a hundred dollars and that's just free shipping like cool 50 bucks and i get access to all of this done take my money send me to the bank done deal yeah yeah i will say though right for amazon prime you do connect it to your twitch prime account or your twitch account Get that free sub a month. Get those uh, free games every month. It's a decent deal. Hey, get... my man's. He knows. You know what Nintendo game I was? Uh, I, I feel super underappreciated. What's that? Hmm. Uh, uh, Zelda Wind Waker. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, it was so... it was amazing on GameCube, and people yeah. shit on that so mad. I would love to see that come to the Switch. Try and find on eBay. There is a um oh what is it the master edition of ocarina of time for the gamecube that people don't believe exists it exists and it is fucking expensive now but yeah they put out ocarina of time for uh for the gamecube mm. i think it also had it may have also had majora's mask on it don't quote me but yeah that's that's out there somewhere and uh as soon as they start throwing GameCube games on there, I'm done, dude. Like Nintendo, yeah, take me. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, they'll, it's like it's like happen. some of my favorites were on GameCube versus like, uh, like the 64. Like I I love the 64. I grew up with the 64, but the GameCube was like Golden at the Age time was the shit. Yeah, and, and it's like Wind know, Waker. It's been so long since we had that. Wind Waker was my favorite Zelda game, and then I played a lot of uh, Need for Speed Underground 2 on GameCube as well. That was the one where you can make Paul Walker's uh, uh, Skyline from Fast, Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm-hmm. Love that game. And Billy Hatcher, Pikmin, uh, Super Mario Sunshine, Luigi's Mansion, uh, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, and Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. Uh, two of the best RT, well not RTS, but turn-based strategy games that have ever been conceived. Um, The GameCube was the golden age of Nintendo before they started to focus on innovation versus bleeding edge of cool. Um, If they they went back to to add some of those, that'd be fantastic. And um, I I still think that Nintendo's got some fight left in them. I think we're going to see some cool stuff from them, uh, if if not just adding some of their their best titles that they've ever oh, made. We'll see something from a Nintendo, all right, and that will be the premium price tag that they they very much love to put on all their products. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You bring it out from the Nintendo vault, and yeah, yeah, we got Wind Waker here <laughs> for fifty dollars. 
got the classic Pokemon Yellow, sixty nine ninety nine. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I'm kind of with Mendachi here. I think it's a pretty good deal. I think for the uh, for that price, four dollars a month, roughly, right, fifty dollars a year. That's a pretty good deal, especially if you play a lot of retro games. Um, and probably quite a few of these retro games you probably can't play any other way. I would love to see a rotation come into effect, though, um, where they bring things in and out, just like, uh, you know, PlayStation and Xbox and um, Epic Games and everything else. Um, it also give us like a moment like every month to talk about Nintendo during deals of the month because we just kind of gloss over them because they don't have anything. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's probably a sale on the eShop for something, like a publisher sale or something, but like there's no there's never like a free game or anything like that to pick up on on usually Switch. Yeah, usually their sales are like indie games and they're like a certain percentage off. I've never seen a f- uh, free other than like free games like uh Tetris 99 or something like that. Yeah, they're also just not usually very great or like well-reviewed, well-regarded, well-made games. You know, they're typically like a cookie cutter kind of game. Um, Something that Nintendo does do is obviously like you earn the Nintendo eShop points as you make your purchases. So like you could very well just like it's just a cash back rewards program. Same as like, say, Casey's that are all over the Midwest. Um but you know obviously you don't get as many nintendo eShop points as you do from like casey's casey's yeah, wants to I have a pizza. free pizza waiting for me so. yeah casey's wants to feed you pizza nintendo wants to sell you games there's a difference <laughs> casey's wants to shove that sausage pizza right down your fucking throat oh, it's so good too but like, honestly my biggest like my biggest regret like game regret was from Nintendo and it was uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. The game was fucking terrible. Everyone's like, oh, it's a remake of the originals. No, it's not. It fucking sucks. It's a rehash of the originals. Yeah, re- yeah, yeah. All I wanted to do was play like fucking Pokemon Red, but like new, like in the new format. And no, it was fucking hot garbage. Like it was the Pokemon Go of the Nintendo Switch and it was fucking awful. Like Pokemon I want to fight goals. Pokemon in the grass. I like I don't want fucking Pikachu to know all these fucking these skills. Like oh, was, I'm still pissed off about that. I paid full full price for that. Like four, what three years after release? Just fucking stupid. <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, so moving on from Nintendo to Steam. Steam has banned NFTs, blockchains, and cryptocurrencies, um, which might interest some people here in our in our audience. I'm not sure how many how many people in our audience are interested in these things. Uh, go on ahead and let us know if you are in the uh, Twitch chat or in the YouTube comments. Let us know how into NFTs, blockchain, and crypto you are. Um, but yeah, the announcement came last week relatively quietly. Um, and was entered into Steam's onboarding guidelines for developers. Uh, Steam hasn't really announced why it's banning NFTs and cryptocurrencies from Steam, and it's especially strange because there hasn't been any big blowout controversies on the platform related to the uh, aforementioned technologies. Um, when I was doing some research for this, PC Gamer pointed out that there isn't a rule somewhere that says you can't, it says that items can't have real world value anywhere. 
Um, there was some also they also speculated a little bit that it could be related to the CS:GO uh, Lotto game uh, skins gambling controversies that have been plaguing the service since 2016. Um, so a lot of this could have been preventative measures on Steam's part, Valve's part, um, as it's not like these technologies aren't without their controversy. Um, NFTs have uh, been controversial uh, and labeled by many to be scams or to be um, environmentally harmful. And of course, uh, anyone who has been paying attention to cryptocurrencies of the last year, um, you know, there's a lot of people who do pump and dump who will go and like really pump up like Dogecoin and tell their audience buy Dogecoin and then sell, uh, you know, sell after pumping it up, um, or other Sheep different to the moon. <laughs> Don't you please. be a pump and dumper, please. Just 50 cents, please. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of speculation, a lot of confusion around the ban. Um, and of course, Tim Sweeney, the pick me of gaming, um, acknowledged the change and has stated that Epic won't be touching NFTs and won't be allowing uh, games that feature the technology on their, uh, and would be allowing games that feature the technology on their service. Uh, quote, Epic Game Store will, will welcome games that make use of blockchain tech provided they follow the relevant laws, disclose their terms, and are age-rated by the appropriate group. Though Epic's not using crypto in our games, we welcome innovation in the areas of technology and finance, he tweeted. Uh, you also had another tweet, um, Nandachi. Uh, we were talking in, in the pre-show. Uh, do you have yes. that one? Yeah, so after a back and forth with another Twitter user, Tim Sweeney decided that it was very important that he would actually iterate some other uh, kind of, I would say, important kind of moral ideas as far as their choice here. Uh, he had said, uh, for the games we make, we aspire to adopt best practices in many areas like this. Where we serve other developers, we don't seek to impose creative or technical decisions on these customers. When a company gives itself that power, the temptation to misuse it pervades everything. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't know how I feel necessarily about that. Same. Um because there has to be like a platform does have to protect its users at some point, right? And so if there is something that does seems to be a problem why wouldn't they protect their customers? You know, like it just feels weird to me that it's like that they're characterizing it. Epic is characterizing it as some sort of like moral high ground. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. I, but I also don't know like how, how to feel about steam just outright banning some of these things too. Like, I don't think it's it's... they're trying to get ahead of the goat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're just really, really worried about something coming out. And so they're just like, just do like do away with it now. Um, So 
that uh that brent had just sent me is that uh dead by daylight's models are being sold as nfts and no one is pleased like including pinhead and stuff like that so you can imagine the legal uh conundrums that are going to come off uh from that yeah netflix isn't going to be happy when they find out that the demogorgon was sold as an nft Ooh, fuck me dude like that is such a mess so it's like you know quite possibly and thanks by the way brent for uh for sending that my way um but yeah no like you can imagine just how messy that's going to get so maybe that's exactly why they decided now is better than later yeah he did say he did follow up he said specifically hellraiser pinhead Mm -hmm. was sold as an nft yeah or is being sold as an nft the the model so like yeah like that's that's kind of again it's it's weird it's that conversation we had uh when we were kind of talking about the show before we went live like it's not the image that's worth the money it's the information baked within said image it's the the pressing of the coin is all it is yeah but it it becomes pressed in to it you know therefore it is a part of it you become part of the situation the problematic uh era area or air that surrounds nfts and blockchains um yeah it's such a complicated convoluted bullshit of a mess yeah i know a lot of the focus has been on nfts but i will say the one thing that i'm happy for is to see cryptocurrencies not being allowed specifically because I know from experience there are ways that you can get someone else's machine to mine for you. Uh, back when I worked in radio, uh, Oh yeah. Actually way before I, uh, worked in radio, I was actually a college radio manager and I was researching live streaming solutions for us, uh, at the time because we, and I found a free one, but the reason it was free was because it would um, activate a coin miner on a, on the end user's PC, and that's how it paid for itself. I, at the time, was fine with it. After I left, I found out that that was kind of a no-no, but they weren't going to you know, tell me otherwise, which was fine because I had no association with them at, at, after that point. But I could imagine some sly motherfucker thinking that he could uh, create a clicker game of some sort on Steam that would use your resources to mine Bitcoin for himself. So something preemptive from Steam on that is pretty choice, I will say. Again, I don't have strong feelings or opinions on NFTs. I really don't understand them all that well. I don't understand the appeal of them from a purchaser's perspective i really don't um but yeah when it comes to like the the covert crypto mining ops uh yeah it's good to get that preemptively in there um green i haven't heard much from you what do you think i think it's interesting like i understand like the cryptocurrency side too of why steam would ban that uh, simply because like cryptocurrencies are so volatile, like they can be one price at one moment, and then a completely different price on the other end. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, 
honestly, it's probably a smart move to her team to like just ban all this stuff. Um, because like there's just so much mess to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why like it would even be necessary to like uh have this like muddled in with games like, and then like on top of that like the whole fact that NFTs are just so random and like there's not a, a lot behind it like can be you know frustrating especially in, like, as a company standpoint so yeah it's it's definitely a, uh, something i i could see a good reason behind yeah yeah uh any other thoughts on this opinions gaben's clairvoyance has won the day yet again i think <laughs> I think this was, was definitely a good a good move. Praise the Gaben. As I said, we're gonna start assigning uh divinity to Gaben again. Oh hello Lord Gaben. <laughs> he brings us the sales. He brings us the sales. He brings us the summer sales. He brings us the solstice sales. <laughs> Praise <laughs> be unto thee. Bring out your wallets. Bring out your wallets. Yeah, my goodness. Um, yeah. So, not anything else on this at all? No. No. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap up the show then. Let's. Greenlee, what's coming up on your channel? Uh, well, if my internet fucking works, uh, I'm probably gonna be playing some New World. I'm gonna try to get into some Destiny two. Um, I am doing some brainstorming for some other projects on TikToks and YouTubes. Um, so yeah, um, you can catch that all on twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Or you can check out all the other socials, especially TikTok. Cause like, I'm, I like doing TikTok videos. They're fun. I enjoy it. I recently hit 3000 followers on TikTok, which like is mind blowing to me. Um, and like what pushed me to that was like a video with my dog. So which just goes to show people like dogs more than people. So, which is, you know, fair. I get it 100%. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Greenlee on all platforms except for Instagram, which is TTV Mr. Greenlee. So, follow me on Twitter. I tweet sometimes. Excellent. Mendachi, what's coming up on your channel? Hey, oh. Yeah. So, uh, I've been getting my hands dirty with a few titles. So, obviously, I'll be playing a lot more Back for Blood uh, when I can. Uh, work is starting to slow down. So, I'll be streaming a little bit more. Uh, so, you can catch me playing that with Brent and my lovely fiance, Aaron. And uh, hopefully, Mr. Green, Danny, where are you at? Come on, man. Like, literally anybody, I will, I will play with you at any time um, that I can, anyway. Yeah. Otherwise, other than that, I am enjoying a really fantastic solo playthrough of Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, which I can't wait to talk about later. Um, and uh, we are playing a Slayer Arcanist hybrid. Um, it's it's fantastic being a forever DM, being able to play Pathfinder, a game that I love so much. Um, yeah, if you want to check that out, that's on uh, twitch.tv backslash Mendachi. That's with two eyes on the end. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter because like I've got all these awesome hot takes and I also post a lot of cringe and I would love for you to have to sift through all of my shit uh, just to yell at me about it. I, I really enjoy that. And then um, on our podcast with uh, myself and Brent, podcast for two people. 
which the link will be on the uh, in the show notes. Uh, otherwise, podcast for two people on literally everything. We've got uh, a couple of really great, really great flicks in the uh, in the mix. We've got a horror movie coming up. We've got some Pacino coming at you. It's it's going to be a, a a nice hot steamy mix. I'll tell you that much. That's uh, the rest of that's under wraps. But definitely, definitely come and say hello on all of those things. Excellent. Uh, coming up on my channel, uh, we were going to do uh, a TTRPG on Friday night, but we moved that. Um, so me and Green will probably pivot to something else. Saturday night, though, this, like I said, this was going to be the weekend for RPGs. Uh, unfortunately, not going to work out that way. So Friday, probably Hunt Showdown or something. Not quite sure. Saturday, something very special. We are going to be doing the um, quick play, quick start guide stuff for a new zombie survival RPG called They Stirred. That'll start 7 p.m. We've got Green, we've got Mendachi, we've got our friend Max, we've got uh, Hi, I'm Biggs. It's going to be a fun time. First time running this game ever. I think any of us have ever played it. Uh, so it's going to be a great time. So join us then, uh, 7 PM for they stirred. And then I started playing for single player Sundays. Uh, we've been playing, um, outer worlds. I just started that this last week. Going to be continuing this week on Sunday. Uh, otherwise, if you guys can't catch my streams, find me on, uh, Twitter at Danny K Instagram under the same name, D A N I E C A E. You can find me on TikTok. I occasionally post there. Um, as well as YouTube, Danny K Media. You can find me on uh, YouTube. That's where this podcast is hosted. Um, and if you guys uh, never want to miss an episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe there. Um, don't forget my writing contest. All you have to do is write a one-page story. Have it submitted by 12 p.m. Central Time on October 31st. Winner gets a $50 Amazon gift card. Winner is voted on by the audience of the live stream. And uh, yeah, guys, that's wrapping it up. Thanks for watching and listening. Your time with us is always appreciated. Of course, we're not interested in just your time or your attention. We would love to know your thoughts. Uh, you guys can let us know your thoughts on any of the topics this week. And of course, our question of the week, what's the worst Halloween candy? Put that in the YouTube comments uh, down below. Um, and we will uh, for sure. I read every single comment that comes in and try to respond to them as uh, as I can. Um, if you guys miss any part of the show, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, everywhere podcasts are found. If you want to catch us live, you can catch us live on Twitch, 7 PM central time every Tuesday. If you guys like what we do, drop a like, subscribe, ring that bell. It helps us out a ton on YouTube. If you really want to take it to the next level, the number one way to help us is by telling your friends guys until next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, keep fighting the good fights, and we'll talk to you again next week. Remember, don't cross that picket line if you live in a uh, John Deere community. Bye! Love you. Get haunted.